0: What is your purpose in life?
1: and um, travel the world. I want to do as much travel as I can. And um, yeah, basically just
0: meet people, friends, things like that. And, yeah, fulfilling a peaceful life basically. So thanks a lot for uh, uh, That's awesome. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's a morning and Obviously, I do your It should be so long. What? 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 So what's your purpose in life? Well, finish university a
1: in life. Um, a lot of interesting answers from people, too. I mean, probably answers you hear from your friends at school or what you would normally think of, right? I think we can uh, up here on top. Do okay. <coughs> I flip it the other way?
2: Here, let me try. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Try that. Hello? Hello? Is that Is any that better, better barber? have to get Dino to button up one more uh, button on his shirt there to tighten up that collar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this
1: didn't happen yesterday. Yeah, tipped over. All right, so interesting question, right? I mean, we talked about a lot of interesting responses like, uh, you know, saving the environment or, uh, you know, becoming rich and successful. Why can't I get this thing in here? Sorry, guys. This is really awkward. Hit a button. Right. is not my friend today. Um, so a lot of interesting responses, right? People um, not really sure what their purpose in life is. You have this guy at the end saying, you know, I'm reading a book at the moment. Uh, it's funny you should ask. I think everybody should sort of figure that out for themselves. Um, but going through all of those responses, it was a little bit interesting. I, I noticed that, uh, well, I don't know, was, was, a, was the correct answer given was what I was wondering. Did they actually answer the question? Was it answered properly? Um, do we really just need to kind of examine that for ourselves and dig it out? Or does the Bible have an answer for us? So, um, if we can flip to the next slide here. We've got a bunch of questions we're going to answer. So, regarding your purpose in life why we're here. The theme here at camp is obviously answering that question, right? Colossians 1, 16 and 17. We've heard the verse over and over again, right? For by him all things have been created, um, heaven and earth, things invisible, invisible. We know we're here because God put us here. Um, so if God put us here, what's our purpose? Like, what, why, why did he create what he created and why are we here? Uh, why, why, do I, why am I here? What, what, do I, what am I doing here? Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So our purpose is to glorify God. That's why he, we, were, we were put on this earth along with the angels and all the creative beings is to magnify his name. Um, Ecclesiastes kind of concludes this. It says, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. So our existence can be summed up in basically two sentences. Fearing God and obeying him um, and worshiping him. You know, our, our world and everything around us gives us this, uh, this thought or this tendency that Life revolves around us, right? Um, life is about me achieving what I want to achieve. That's my purpose, is, is to find out what fulfills me. If it's having a family and raising children and raising them up to be good people, whether it's a noble pursuit to um, save the environment or, you know, work with animals or, or um, help people in need. I mean, those are all noble things, but ultimately the Bible boils everything down to giving glory and honor to God. Um, so... This is just kind of a reevaluation of what our purpose is here. Um, and the last verse here, Ephesians 5:14 to 17, says, "Wherefore he saith, "Awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead, and Christ will give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil." So I mean, this topic is really relevant for teens, right? You guys are in that critical age where You're sort of deciding where your life is going to go, why you belong here, and what your purpose is. And uh, Paul is exhorting the Ephesians to take advantage of the time. Uh, Now is the time for you guys to make a decision and to to get your life on a track that will matter in the end so that you don't feel that you've wasted it. Uh, Let's go to the next slide here. So the definition of a wasted life. What is a wasted life? A wasted life is going back and forth, we kind of came to this, and, and we've determined it to be living a life without fulfilling an eternal purpose, and then in the end, living in, in regret. So a wasted life is a life that goes by, you live your life pursuing everything else but what you belong or, or were supposed to do, and then at the end of it, realizing that, that all of a sudden that hitting you and realizing you know, you, you live, you're living in now regret because you missed opportunity, um, so we've got some other uh, Definite, well, other synonyms for the word waste I mean, you can talk about squandering, misusing your life Throwing it away uh, Spending it, splurging it You know, there's a bunch of different words you can use to describe the word waste uh, But at the end of it, it ends up in destruction, right? It ends up in devastation and ruin The end of it is, is regret at the end of it It's a horrible place to be um, You know, and it's funny how we think that Our lives can be so wrapped up in in such a short purpose, like saving the environment, we think that's so important, yet we're we're neglecting the thing that matters the most, and that's our eternity, right? Where we're going to spend the rest of our lives after we die. Um, So that's regret. At the end of it, you're going to realize that you've wasted your life doing things that don't matter for eternity. All right, so some interesting statistics. Uh, Today, teens spend over seven and a half hours a day consuming media. I don't know, this shocked me when I read that. I mean, seven and a half hours a day, that's, that's almost like a full-time job. I mean, that's a lot of time spending online or on your phone or in front of a TV or, or whatever it might be. I mean, that's, that's a lot of time. Um, a 2013 study found that 13 to 17-year-olds spend an average of four hours a day online, uh, which is 37% higher than the year before that. So your media consumption is just increasing. It just keeps going up and up and up uh, year by year. And the majority of that is probably facilitated by the use of your smartphones, right? How many here have a smartphone? Put up your hand. I think that looks like about 75%, if not more. Um, So it makes it so much more easier these days to access things online. Um, This last point struck me too. Uh, Teens spend about 38 and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversation with their parents. You guys don't talk to your parents much, do you? Um you know I don't think I did either when I was a teen. Uh that was something that I I don't really see the value in. But as you get older you're gonna realize there's a wealth of knowledge that your parents have uh to help you make decisions in life and to get your life on track. Now I spend a lot more than 30 and a half minutes a week talking to my parents. It's more a few hours a week. And um just some advice, it's it's useful to have a good relationship with your parents. They're, they'll help you get your life uh, focused. So, another little interesting slide here. I found that uh, the top social media platforms that teens happen to use, obviously Facebook's up there as number one, but you've got Instagram and Snapchat, Twitter, Google, Vine. You guys all use these. I know I've used them. Um, But how much time are you spending on them, right? Don't you find that, like, you know, a day just flies by and all of a sudden, like, you just spent two and a half hours watching YouTube videos or Vines of, like, repeats of sport clips or like memes of you know funny anecdotes that make you laugh i mean there's so much time we can spend online things that don't really fulfill us or or drive us to accomplish our purpose and uh i mean that's just something to think about let's go to the next one (laughs) so looking to a good example um for me, there's this man named Jonathan Edwards, I don't know if you guys have heard of him or not, but he's a, uh, he's a really well-known 18th century philosopher, Christian theologian, and in his early 20s, right around the age you guys are, um, he purposed in his life to live for God. He, he's really well-known for uh, writing up a series of resolutions, basically kind of like his own personal diary, um, and he jotted down things in his life that he wanted to improve, um, how many people have a diary or keep notes of things that they do? Anybody? A couple people? It's a really good thing to do. How many um, people di- uh,
2: use Facebook as their diary to <laughs> put out there whatever <laughs> they're thinking? Well, I mean, you, you see that a little more common these days. But.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people have diaries. I mean, most guys don't. That's kind of a girly thing. But, I mean, <laughs> if you have a diary, it's really good. You know, you, you track your progress through life and you see where your mind has matured and grown. But aside from the fact of having a diary, Jonathan Edwards, he he made a series of resolutions, and his first one was that he would live for God. Second resolution was that if no one else does, I still will. So, in his early 20s, this man was committed, and he was resolved to live for God. He had his mind made up. He was committed, and he purposed in his heart that he would live for God, a lot like Daniel, and we're going to hear about that later. Um, So... Hebrews 10.23 talks about holding fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. If you want to not waste your life, you need to purpose in your heart today where where your priority lies. And you need to make a decision as to how you're going to commit yourself. If you go day to day and you just kind of let things slide by, your life will fly by before you know it. And in the end, you're going to realize, where did all the time go? So just a word of encouragement Follow examples like Jonathan Edwards uh, to be resolved with your purpose. All right, Brad.
2: Okay. So, before we get into this next section, I just have a very simple question. Uh, How many people in this room want to be a Christian one day? And I know that's a stereotypical question for Cam. Keep your hands up. Okay. Now, how many people in this room are Christians at the moment in their mind? I should keep my hand up. Okay, so it looks like we're about fifty percent, maybe a little lower. You know, this topic, in a lot of ways, um, is going to help you, as it helps me and Dennis, and, and and a lot, and basically everyone. It's going to help you get there. Um, it's going to help you recognize in your life, you know, where there are things that are bringing you down. You know, things that are deadwood that you don't even realize, um, but you know, eventually. When you do give your life to Christ and you start to evaluate your stuff or yourself, and you start to really um, look to see God God working in your life and seeing fruit and stuff, you're going to realize real quick that spending you know seven and a half hours online is a huge waste of time. Um, so for me, you know, digging into this concept, I, I kind of approached it from the sen- uh, from the standpoint of, you know, I think we're I think we're all pretty good at you know we're church people we we know how to speak you know church talk, we, we, we know how to act, we know how to dress, you know, everyone's, every, every boy knows how to wear, you know, khaki pants uh, to church, or, or, you know, every girl knows how to wear a nice dress, um, but the point, of the, the point of the matter is, as, as, you know, Christians, or as people that are aspiring to be Christians, we spend six days a week away from church, um, and that's kind of the, the concept that I wanted to talk about. So, basically, you know, the question that I ask is, how do I live for Christ at work? How do you live for Christ at school? Uh, and it breaks up into f- four main categories for me. Um, be creative, uh, be productive, be consistent, and be a light. So, we'll get into the creative part. So, this verse here, we've, uh, we've read about, we've read it a couple of times this week, um, there's something that struck me when I studied this verse, and basically, you know, it says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And then it says, And have dominion over, etc., etc. You know, so God's first instruction to Adam and Eve was procreate, populate the earth, right? Get out there, fill up the earth. Number two was subdue it. So, you know, I asked myself, "What does subdue mean?" Um, so, you know, I, I we looked that up, and basically, the Hebrew word is kabash, which means um, it, it it basically means uh, to subject, to force, to bring into control, to 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 utilize. Um, so, ultimately, what God was telling Adam and Eve here after He told them to go fill up the earth is to take the minerals and take the resources that the earth has and use it, and that is a Pretty cool concept when you think about it in the sense of creativity. You know, all of these resources that are placed on Earth have led to something. Everyone's, we just asked how many people have a smartphone. You know, a smartphone is is, is, is a piece of technology that is made from the resources of the world. Um, you know, I'm in the construction industry and we build massive buildings and, you know, it just, it just goes to show from, you know, the iron ore in the Earth to the wood to the, you know, different materials that, you know, all of these things are being used by, uh, by man, but they were placed there by God. And, you know, this concept of being creative is pretty cool. So, I found, a, I found an interesting quote. Next slide. Uh, so, basically, the quote was by a guy named Wayne Grudem, and here's what he wrote. Uh, Imagine what would happen if we were able to transport Adam and Eve before they had sent into a 21st century American home. After we gave them the appropriate clothing, we would turn on the faucet and offer them a glass of water they're probably checking out this faucet saying, what is this thing? It's a metal piece of, you know, whatever, and water's flowing out of it, and they have a glass, and, you know, they, they were obviously probably, they would be blown away by that. Um, so they would say, well, what's that? And we would explain, well, there's pipes in the ground that enable us to have water whenever we want it. That is going to be mind-blowing for Adam and Eve, right? For us, we just take it for granted, you know? Go get a glass of water. That concept... This concept of being creative has pushed humanity forward, has allowed us to create so many amazing things. And I just want to encourage everyone here that, you know, that is a good thing. That, that's something that, that God intended, you know, for us to do. So, you know, for me, I love the concept because I've always liked to be creative. You know, I, I've always liked to take some resources and make something, you know. Uh, whatever you're into when you're a little kid, you know, boys always love Lego, right? Why do boys love Lego? Well, they like it because they can assemble something, they can make something, right? Girls have those, what, easy bake ovens, I guess? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) You're being creative, right? you, You put your own spin on it. You make hand art. You make, you know, sparkles on paper. As men, we love to create. And that's put in us by God. You know that that's God's that's God's uh, divine fingerprint on us. You know it says we are made in His image, and I believe that one of the aspects is we are made to create. Um, so that that's the first kind of concept. Next concept, so be productive. And I know among you know teens, being productive is not always the easiest thing to uh, to get out there. You know to to present. I, I know for me, even now, it's sometimes tough when you are tired at the end of the day, but you know. It's interesting, two verses that I found, and there's lots, this is in scripture all over the place, but two verses, first one, 2 second, uh, second Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. You know, that's a pretty bold concept. I bet you if you were to present that concept today to, you know, in, in, in the political arenas, there would be a lot of pushback, you know, well, if you don't work, you don't eat. But that's in the Bible. And, you know, this is put into context further in Acts, you know, the, the second verse that's up there where it says, uh, basically, to support the weak and to remember the words of Jesus and, and it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, so it, it's, it's understood that, you know, if you're, the weak would constitute, the, you know, children, um, elderly, uh, you know, disabled, all of those things, Right. But the reality is, in this room here, you know, we got 13 to 19 to 25 to 27. You know, we are strong, able-bodied people. And it's important for us to recognize that, you know, one of God's commandments to us is to be productive and to support the weak. So, you know, we're not called to sit there and watch YouTube all day. We're called to get out there and, and you know, get our hands dirty, right? To, to, to provide. And one day, you know, men in this room, you guys, you guys are going to be fathers one day. You're going to be husbands. You, you got to provide. You know, when you got a kid at home and and, and a wife and all these things, you know, it becomes it becomes uh, pretty uh, you know uh, pretty important at that point to be productive. But you know, it starts today, right? It starts with your attitude towards towards working, and and this is a, a great biblical concept. Um, okay, so next concept: being consistent. So. When I started my career, uh, which I've been working for, I think, six years now, uh, when I got out of college, you know, one thing that really was striking me was this concept of, you know, where, where's the boundary? How much do I push? How much do I, you know, focus on being successful at work? Um, you know, and the questions, you know, can a Christian be successful in the corporate world? You know, should a Christian be a CEO? Uh, how will my boss or my coworkers react to my faith? You know, um... All of these questions, I think, have come to, you know, people in professional uh, careers have come to their mind, you know, wh- where do I draw the line, but, you know, I, I feel like there was, there was a temptation to either compromise, which is the first one, you know, go along with the flow, speak their speak, just kind of, you know, be a chameleon, or to be a recluse, you know, to be that Christian weirdo. And... For me, neither of those seemed like a good idea. I didn't want to just, you know, avoid everyone at work. And I also didn't want to just go along with everything. Um, and that bothered me at first. And then, you know, God reminded me of Daniel. And, and, you know, for me, Daniel is one of those biblical figures that's like a solid role model. Like, you know, I, I've, I've built my career around thinking about Daniel. Um, and, and, and basically, it all boils down to his integrity. You know, we all know the story of Daniel, um, but basically, you know, he, he shows up, he doesn't eat the king's meat, he ends up being the strongest, he's, you know, when all the soothsayers and astrologers can't, you know, interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel steps in, by God's strength, interprets the dream, becomes in charge of Babylon, you know, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego get thrown into the furnace, they get pulled out, Nebuchadnezzar's like, you know cut everyone into pieces and make their houses into dunghills because if they don't believe in the God of these men, you know, and so these guys, they they basically, revol- they, 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 uh, they spun the entire kingdom around um, in Babylon, you know, by being a light and, and by being consistent. And that's encouraging, you know, so as Christians, don't feel like you can't be successful in, you know, in your, uh, in your careers or even in college, you know, I mean, you... You can be successful. You know, Daniel was successful. And the best part about Daniel is he didn't compromise. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the tough battle with all of us. We feel this struggle with, you know, do we have to give in? And, and No, you don't have to give in. And, and maybe God isn't going to, you know, use you in the, in the same way he used Daniel and turn your college campus upside down through your faith. But trust me, you'll be able to sleep at night knowing that you at least did what's right uh, and you'll be an honor and a glory to God. And I, and I have the faith that he will make some big changes. So, another great quote on this whole concept of being consistent. Um, one of the greatest hindrances to internal peace, which Christians encounter, is the common habit of dividing our lives into two separate areas, the sacred and the secular. You can also call it the Sunday and the rest of the week. Um, you know, have you ever felt like a fake... You know, maybe it's because you're that good Christian boy or girl on Sunday, and then you go to school, and you're swearing like a sailor. Or you're, ma- or you're the one that's instigating the dirty jokes. Or you're the one that's, you know, starting the fights. Or you're the, you're the thief, you know. <laughs> as as, uh, as um, a person that grows up in a Christian home, I think we really struggle with this uh, when we're young, but I think it translates into our life as Christians as well, and as adults. Um... You know, this this concept of, of, of splitting your life into two separate halves doesn't, it doesn't happen in Scripture anywhere. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But, I, I, you know, for me, this has been a struggle in my life, I'll be honest with you. And I'm sure it's a struggle in your life, you know. But the reality is we can't live double lives, guys. We can't, you know, we have to be consistent. Um, we can't be different on Sunday than we are on Monday. And that may mean that you change slightly on Sunday. You know, that's the other implication. You know, it, we need to be consistent, and that needs to. And what you believe needs to come out, you know, through and through with your faith. So, two guys up there on the screen. I'm a Canadian. I uh, I know the one guy on the left. I don't know if anyone else knows the guy on the right. Um, but I found a pretty cool study comparing these two gentlemen. You know, uh, John Rockefeller and John Wanamaker. So Rockefeller, uh, some of you might have heard of him. Um, he was one of the most successful American businessmen of all time. Co founder of Standard Oil, dominated the oil industry. Uh, He basically, when he died in 1937, um, his fortune stood at $33 billion. uh, uh, Sorry, let me correct myself. $336 billion, accounting for more than 1.5 of the national economy. So, really rich man, probably one of the most rich American businessmen ever to live. Uh, the other guy, Wanamaker, also very rich, um, slightly less popular, super successful. He was, a, he, was a, he was basically, he owned a lot of, uh, a lot of retail stuff. Um, he also is, is accredited for being one of the early pioneers of marketing, advertising, and he was even the U.S. Postmaster General. So both of these two guys um, were Christians. They were devout Christians. Everyone knew it. Um, you know, Rockefeller was a Sunday school teacher. He tithed off his massive salary. This guy was not afraid to give money. Um, you know, but, the, but the, the thing with Rockefeller is when Monday showed up, he was a cutthroat businessman. You didn't cross John uh, Rockefeller. You know? And, and, and basically, he truly did have two separate uh, focuses. You know, his business life was his business life. It was just business. And then when it came to being a Christian, you know, that was tithing and and, and Sunday school and all those good things. Um, Whereas Wanamaker, he also taught in his local church. He gave a lot uh, as well. Um, But the only difference between him and the other one is is he tried to keep the gospel flowing through his his work life as well. And um, there's a story about him where he was opening one of his massive stores in Philadelphia And, you know, you know how it is opening day, there's tons of hype built up. He probably set the date up and, you know, and it was all ready to go. And then Dwight Moody calls him up and says, listen, I need a place to have a meeting. I don't know if you guys know who Dwight Moody is, but he's, you know, big Bible, a theologian and a scholar and, and, you know, um, basically he needed to have a meeting and he needed a spot to have it. So this guy shuts down his store on opening day to host this meeting. You know, that was the type of Christian that Wanamaker was. And the reason I mention these two stories is, you know, I want you to ask yourself, um, whose legacy up there on the screen points closer to Christ, and whose legacy, you know, points closer to himself. Just something to leave us with. So, um, this whole this whole idea of uh, splitting your faith into two, compartmentalizing, um, it can be devastating. Basically. Uh, if you don't guard yourself from this, you're going to be a good Christian on Sunday and a cutthroat worker the rest of the week. Um, And, you know, one thing I found, you know, on on Sunday you'll attempt to consecrate yourself to God and on Monday you'll intentionally fail to disclose valuable information to a client. And ultimately, God doesn't want this for us. You know, if you're in the the medical industry, you know, God wants you to treat uh, putting that IV in someone's arm the same as you would to you know to worship God to serve in a church capacity if you're a street worker filling potholes God wants you to you know fill those potholes with the same amount of passion that you do at you know singing at church and that's an odd concept you know and my dad you know he when I grew up I remember he really ingrained this in us we were, we were my dad's a painting contractor and you know he would we would go into houses and he'd be like alright boys you know me and Brian he'd say okay guys we're going to roll this house as unto the Lord. <laughs> so we're rolling and, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to work like that. But that is a biblical concept. That's, you know, and that's in Colossians, right? Whatsoever ye do, do it hardly as unto the Lord and not unto man. You don't serve man. You know, yes, you are an employed uh, person, but ultimately your work is unto God. And I can tell you, um, a Christian employee should be the best employee. Everyone should want to hire Christians, in my opinion, if they're following this. Because you're going to be 100% dialed in, man. You're, you're doing it to, to God Almighty, and you're going to give an account for that work one day. So you're going to be serious about it. So, the last concept here, and this is you know, probably the, the, one of the most important ones, um, is the concept of being a light at work. And you need to look at your work in your school as a mission field. That is the easiest way to get away from that whole splitting up your two, uh, you know, two parts of life. You know, if you look at it as a mission field, if you look at every person as a soul that needs to hear the good news and needs to accept Christ, it makes it, you know, a lot easier uh, to be productive and to be fruitful. And you know, I love this verse in Second Corinthians because it breaks my heart when I read it, and it's so true. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid unto them. That are lost, guys. If you're keeping your light under that bushel, if you're not sharing at work, you know your faith. You're only hiding it from the ones that are lost, and you may think that, oh, I want to be politically correct. I don't want to push, you know, my faith. And I agree. There's a time and a place, and you need to be careful. The reality is, we can't. We can't afford not to share the gospel at work either. And you know, a lot of us have read that quote uh, up there, and I I, I really think that that is another good. You know, good concept. Remember, you might be the only Bible that others read. You know? And if you claim to be a Christian, and you're doing something that's not supported in Scripture, that person might write off Christianity just for that. And trust me, they're going to have to give an account one day because the reality is their salvation and their, their entire uh, you know, um, understanding of truth does not lie on your shoulders. I'm not saying that at all. However, you also are responsible so, you know, the, the stakes are just too high. And, and yesterday with that, you know, that testimony of that gentleman who uh, was in Anthony's evening, uh, you know, his, his testimony, I was going to bring it up uh, here as well, um, so I won't go into it in too much detail, but basically, you know, he came to Christ by talking to his co-worker over a tool bench. You know, and, and that, that's striking. That, that's what we need more of in our church. And really, if you think about it in logical terms, there should be the most amount of people coming from our friends at school and in our, in our workplace. That's who you're evangelizing with, right? You don't need to go to some far-off country to spread the gospel. You can spread it with your friends. And, and if you truly love them, um, then you really should. I'll hand it back to Dennis now.
1: All right, is this thing back on? Can you hear me? Okay. How many people have ever taken a risk in their life? Put up your hand. All right, does anybody want to share an experience of uh, the most risky thing you've ever done? All right, up front. Uh-oh. Jumping off of a roof. Jumping off of a moving quad. Wow. Onto what? Just the ground?
2: Into That's the some woods? James Bond stuff there, man. You're, you're a superhero. Sounds
1: like parkour.
2: It's <laughs> awesome. Oh, Go man. ahead.
1: Anybody else have any uh, risky experiences jumping off waterfalls or anything? Yet? Jesse. Jesse? Oh, disobeying their parents, that's definitely a risk. Why is that a risk,
2: though?
1: Yeah, you're supposed to honor them, yeah. You also get batina if you don't. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a risk. Right, so on the board, right, we've defined risk here. We all know what risk is, right? Risk being an action that can expose you to the possibility of loss or injury. So, um, you know, if taking a leap off of a building or a moving quad or something like that obviously there are physical dangers present with that um you know i work in the finance field and so every day you know we're buying and selling companies and um i mean we're putting a lot of financial capital out there to make an investment on something and we expose ourselves to the risk of losing that money for our investors um the bible is the same thing though it's requiring us to do the same thing i mean you all know the parable of the, the talents, right? Um, the, three, the three guys that were given ten talents, and Jesus asked them to go out and uh, earn a return for them. Expose themselves to risk. And he, he required that they come back with more than what they had originally been given, or at least what he had given them. But the one who came back and just said, Lord, here's the one talent, I buried it in the ground. Um, I was afraid because, you know, you're a fearful man. I didn't want to cross you or, or lose it. So um, here you go, here's the talent you gave me. He was really displeased with that, that servant, right? And he, uh, he condemned him for that. So the Bible is very clear that risks are something that we need to take as Christians. Um, everything Brad sort of summed up, being productive, being creative, um, you know, going outside the box, being consistent, being a light, that's exposing yourself. Uh, it's, not an uncom- it's not a comfortable thing, right? Uh, it requires a lot of effort. It, it takes thought. It takes uh, you know, resolve and purpose to go after that. And it's uneasy. But I read an interesting quote here. It says, if the life that magnifies Christ the most is the life of costly love, then life itself is risk and risk is right. So if, if the best way and the most effective way we can glorify God is by taking risks, it's, it's this costly love that, that, that exposes us to injury or or defeat or being looked down upon well then that in itself is the right thing to do and then if in conclusion to run from risk is to waste your life so if you're going to be hiding in a box your whole life and you're not you're going to be too afraid to step out and try something new or, or listen to where god's calling you to go you're wasting your life next slide so this is the pressing question the the most obvious one why we always come to camp every year the most important risk you can take in your life is to accept Christ. How many, how many here... Uh, we already did this, Brad. Yeah, we what did it was it. about
2: half of you? It was half.
1: About half of you guys have committed your lives to, to God, and the rest haven't.
2: But the rest want to.
1: But the all rest want to. Well, that's great. I don't even know if I need to go into this, but... Whoa, sorry. This mic. Oh. <laughs> so, okay. First Kings chapter 18, verse 21. We know this story, right? Elijah... He's there in front of all of the, these false prophets and a host of people. And they're, they're saying, no, my God, Baal is king. And uh, so they had this competition about uh, sacrificing, uh, burning up a, an offering. And here, uh, Elijah calls fire down from heaven. And God's fire burns and consumes the whole offering. And all the water that was poured onto it, it was, it was obvious that God was the king. And then Elijah at this point turns to the people and he says, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. He just posed a very simple question. Is is the Lord not God? If he is, then follow him. If, If not, then go follow Baal, follow Satan, follow yourself, follow your own purpose, follow whatever it is that you want to do to please yourself. It's It's a a, a yes or no It's like a left or right decision And if you want to halt and stop in between You've made your decision So how long are you going to wait? I mean if half of you here Wants to live for God What's stopping you? What is it that would hold you back? Is it a risk? Are you afraid to step out? You want to but I'm afraid because I don't want to uh, Lose my friends You know I don't want to look like uh, I I don't know what it's going to be like if I go back to school and, you know, all of a sudden I got to pray now before my, my meal at lunch because now all my friends are going to know, oh, wow, like you pray now before your meals? Like, what's up with that? You didn't do that before. Are you afraid to give an explanation for that? Are you afraid to stand up against somebody who's, who starts contending for uh, same sex marriage or abortion or any of these things that we now know are big contentious issues in the world? Are you afraid to stick yourself out on the line and, and expose yourself to injury or loss? of friends or your reputation? Does that matter to you more than eternal life? I mean, I'm just speculating on things, right? But if the Lord is God, follow him. And if he's not, well, then you've made up your mind. And you'll end up wasting your life. For my friends and my my brothers and sisters who've accepted Christ already, uh, you know, there's not much I can say, you've, you've done the right thing But all I can turn to now is the story in, in, in Esther And this is a really interesting story, I'm sure some of you have heard of it But Esther was an adopted niece to a man named Mordecai Mordecai was a religious leader in the, with the Jews, people followed him And uh, he, was, he had a strong voice, uh, politically and, and, and you know, socioeconomically or whatever But Esther was very beautiful And she ended up marrying the king at that time. And she was promoted to a really high position. However, Mordecai became more and more hated by uh, this man named Haman. He was a a right-hand man of the king at the time. And this man, Haman, wanted to kill off all the Jews. So he had this plot to assassinate the Jews to kill Mordecai. And the only way Mordecai would be able to save the people was to go to Esther. So he sent Esther a message and he said... Tell the king what's about to happen. We're going to get wiped out, and we need you to intercede for us. So there was only one problem. In order to be able to approach the king, the king had to grant you permission with his scepter. He had to acknowledge you. And if you didn't, you would die. You'd be put to death. So Esther wasn't able just to go up to the king, even though it was her husband at the time. She wasn't able just to go up and say, hey, look, uh, you know, this is about to happen. If she did that, she could be exposed to death. Here's what her response was to Mordecai when he asked her to go intercede to the king. She she says, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan, present in Shushan, and fast for me. Neither eat three days, nor night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther was a faithful follower of, of Christ. She was a faithful follower of God, and she exposed her life, she put it on the line, and she said, I'm going to leave this in God's hands, I'm going to do what is right, and if I, if I die, I die. I mean, today, we're not really exposed with that, right? You're probably thinking, like, Dennis, I'm just a teenager, what is this, like, I'm not, I'm not asked to give my life for God. Are you so sure about that? I thought the same thing, too, um, until this group called ISIS kind of popped up in the news all of a sudden and that's all the way in africa or or or, uh where is it now it's like on the other side of the world right i mean what's isis gonna do what's what's that matter right i mean they're a radical group they're islamic terrorists whatever that happens all the time but i mean it's just a freak kind of incident right the twin towers maybe you know terrorists might come and try to shoot a church or or something but that's just once in a once in a blue moon I don't know, I don't have a stat on this, but if, if you're not aware already, there are Islamic, ISIS, uh, terrorists, jihadists, whatever you want to call them, they, they are here, they're in America. I mean, just this, this morning I flipped up the news and uh, I read an article about uh, some, some terrorist jihadists, they shot up uh, four marines and a soldier just last week in a, a camp in Chattanooga, which isn't really that far from where I'm at, but I mean just just knowing and hearing stories like that, every day, things are coming out where there are people that want to kill Christians. And, you know, it doesn't, I don't need to be here to give a sermon on this, but we all know that our lives as Christians are going to be more and more exposed every day. We're going to be called to stand for what's right, and time will come eventually where you could be called to the test to put your life on the line. So, Practically, you know, in school everyday situations, that might be what you face the most. But be prepared to give your life for God,
2: like Esther. You don't want to waste it. So um, so we've kind of talked about, you know, the, the big risk, accepting Christ. Uh, but there's a lot of small opportunities. Uh, and we kind of want to open up the floor here to, to brainstorm as a group. Um, you know, what are some, what are some examples... Uh, in our lives of where we can take risk. And, and I can open it up, I'll, I'll, I'll throw one out there. Um, I love music, I've always liked music, and uh, I write songs. Um, sometimes the songs aren't very good, they usually don't get by my wife when they're not that good, but when I didn't have a wife, I would write a song, I'd go sing it at an inspiration hour and it might suck. <laughs> and that's just, that's just the reality. Um, that's a risk. Right? So what are some other risks? What are some other, uh, some other things that, you know, that we could do, um, things that, you know, that come to mind when you guys think of taking a risk? Nothing, huh? We'll just sit here. Go ahead. Evangelizing. Evangelizing. Okay, so, so, um, so evangelizing. So, elaborate. Where? How?
1: It's a risk to talk to someone because you don't know if they're actually going to accept what you're saying or not.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, evangelism is, is going to always be a risk. But, I mean, you know, how, it, says, it says how will they know unless they've heard, right? How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. You know, evangelism's huge. But that is what we're all called to. So, huge risk. Yeah, great. What else do we got? Given, uh, giving an so, being an example. Giving an example. Yeah, that's a risk. Saying a comment in a teen forum when all your peers are around you, standing up for the right thing. Standing up for the right thing. So you know, knowing in your heart, or you know, and and understanding in Scripture what the right thing is, and physically doing it are two very different things, right? So standing up for the right thing, very good. What else do we got? Cogs are now turning. Doesn't have to be something big. Anything else? That's a very good... So saying, saying no, you know, and, and, and avoiding the temptation. Um, you could, yeah, you, you're, you could be risking destroying friendships. Um, although if the friendship gets ruined from that, then it was probably not the best friendship to have in the first place. But yeah, definitely. Um, so we can click through some of the stuff I came up with. Uh, so mission trip. You know, straightforward, uh missionary day was monday you know it seems like a lot of teens do this in our church they go and paint you know churches uh, schools or churches in paraguay or mexico or whatever um you know that that's a risk because you don't know what you're up against uh you don't know what you're going to get yourself into and you're also um by going on a trip like that you are identifying or you are uh supporting you know um you're trying to serve others, and that you know, and that's putting yourself out there. So mission trips are a good are a good example. Um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, here, but rejecting friends and taking a stand—that is a huge risk, and that's tough. It was tough for me. It's even tough now at work. You know, you, there's always going to be that one or two people that you know you, you like, you you want to hang out with. You, you know, they're cool guy, cool girl, whatever. But you may have to take a stand if if. Uh, you know, if that relationship turns into, you know, going to a rave or going to a bar, or you know, or uh, or even just turns out, you know, hanging out at the uh, playground and uh, you know, trying a little weed or something like that. Listen, you got to be willing to take that stand. So that's a risk. Here's one I wanted to bring up there. Um, not trying to uh, not trying to promote Richard's Legacy Bible College, but I do think it's a great uh, it's a great thing to do out of school if you don't have some clear direction on what you want to do you know this is this is this is a great place to go uh, it's going to give you a lot of fundamentals um, about scripture but it's a risk too you're giving up a year of your life and in fact i guess i could throw up on the board careers and all of that stuff because really choosing a career and jumping into it's a big risk as well um, i love this one and i love this one because i struggle with this um, it's so easy to go along with the crowd, you know, like, in, our, in Kitchener, we always go sing for old people, and like, you go in a massive group, and it's easy, you know, you go along, we're just herding along like cattle, you know, we all pile in there, and the old lady can barely breathe, and we just smothered her with 300 people, because we didn't want to go one-on-one, and, you know, I think that I would challenge you guys, you know, you and a couple of your friends, try this. It seems like it's like, that's awkward. Like, what am I going to go to an old age home? But I can tell you that the blessing that you will get from spending some time with someone who needs uh, something as basic as just, you know, friendship or, uh, or conversation is huge. And it's easy. Just go there. If you play an instrument, mouth harmonica, guitar, you know, go play it for that baba at that uh, old age home. She would like it, I'm telling you. And, it's a, and it is a risk, but it's a risk that has a lot of reward. Next. We mentioned this, sharing the gospel. And, and ultimately, that is a huge one. I, uh, I really like... Uh, I, 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 think, I think that's the last one I have, right, Dennis? Oh, and write a song. Okay, I used that already. So sharing the gospel. So I think that, you know, ultimately, evangelism is a huge risk. So just finishing it up here... Um, so we've talked a lot about wasted life and I think we've sort of driven home the point that, you know, there's a lot of things you can be doing with your time that is, is, is not productive. So what's the flip side? Well, the flip side's abundant life. And, you know, there's, there's some words up there for abundant, utilize, conserve, spare, preserve. It comes back to this concept, you know, that I, we've all, I alluded to in my prayer and Dennis was alluding to, you know, the world we live in is so focused on conserving the environment and so unfocused on preserving uh, life in the sense of real life, meaningful life, doing something big. You know, and, and it's all summed up very perfectly in John ten ten, you know, which says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. That's what it's all about, guys. You know, you can live your life and it can be, you know, watching T V, working and you know, just just going along with the flow but I can tell you you will not feel like it's fulfilled if you want to live an abundant life take risk and with that um, we will transition into the video
0: what a tragedy in America this is one of the biggest tragedies in our culture that billions of dollars are invested every year to get people my age to waste the rest of our lives. Billions of dollars invested to persuade us and lure us at any cost, it seems, to waste the rest of our lives. It's called retirement. It goes like this. You've worked for it. Now enjoy it. Twenty years, perhaps, of play, leisure, ease, while the world, uncared for medically, uneducated, filthy water, poverty stricken, unevangelized, under the weight of healthy 65-year-old people playing bridge and shuffleboard and collecting shells and fishing and golfing their way into the presence of King Jesus. You're going to join them unless at this stage very radical decisions very radical commitments very radical choices about where your treasure is cross and follow me, for whoever would seek to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life, for my sake and the gospel...
1: All right, thank you all for attending.
2: Contact information is up on the uh, screen here if you go to the next slide. If anyone ever wants to reach out to us, our emails are up there. Um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. And, and for kicks, Dennis uh, mentioned you saw hashtag uh, DWYL, don't waste your life. If you're a Twitter person, you know, we know you guys are already spending seven and a half hours a day. Tweet something online about you know, a risk that you want, you're going to take, okay? Thanks, guys.